Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pliskin Podcast. I'm your host, John Nicholson, and it's been a minute. right guys Pliskin podcast is back at least for now i uh, i know it's been a few months since i've posted an episode i think my last one was my review of jigsaw which has since come out on blu-ray and i have purchased it so it has been a little while but there has been good reason for that absence i have been busy with life basically um i've been doing a lot of things it is now 12:30 at night on January 10th, or no, February 10th. Good gravy, I have no idea where I'm at right now. It is 12:30 on February 10th, 2018. So this is the first official Pliskin podcast of the year and hopefully not the last one. Um but yeah, basically what I've been doing is just living life, man. Um I've been doing a lot of shows, meeting a lot of people and doing a lot of really exciting things, but I don't take that as a brag because I'm, I'm trying to be humble about it because um, I'm taking life as it comes. And there's been a lot of good things that have happened in the past few months. And I'm excited for what uh, this year is going to bring me. I know that there are a lot of things in the works right now. And um, there's things I can't discuss at this point. And there are things that I am um, just toying around with the idea of. So we'll see what comes of it. And I'm, uh, I'm very excited for... Um, the next thing. But until then, I'll try to make some more uploads. Today's episode is not going to be very structured because I wanted to mostly get on here again to do an update on where I'm at and why I stopped recording. I had a few people ask me, like, you haven't done a Pliskin podcast in a while. Is there any reason for that? And there really isn't a um, super... I didn't sit down and say, I'm not going to record a podcast. It's just it got... You know, I I had, you know, stuff going on. I got a new job, and uh, that job, uh, you know, I was on second shift for a long time, and then I became first shift, so I was adjusting to that um, um, schedule of having afternoons free, and because of that, I started to have more time to do things and go out and see people, and that's why the past few months have been really exciting for me, because I've been able to go out and do things that I've really enjoyed doing, that's going to shows and hanging out with some awesome people, and just doing some really rad things, man. Uh, I'm just excited for everything right now in my life. It's It's been pretty good so far. I mean, you know, as the dude would say, there's been strikes and gutters, ups and downs, but the good has outweighed the bad this year so far, and I'm, I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. And, and I know that there's some other big changes going to happen before the year's up, and so... We'll see. We'll see where this life takes me. So until then, we're here. So let's get started, shall we? So enough of that gooey, emotional, you know, where's my life at situation. Um, So we're here today to talk about a few things that I've been wanting to talk about since they've been released. The first of which 
is Deadpool 2. Uh, the trailer released last week, and it looks good. Um, it I didn't expect any less from Deadpool 2, because the first one was so amazingly good, and well-written, and funny, and just everything that it needed to be, it was. And it set forth a trend of rated R superhero movies that are that are going to start happening now because of what Deadpool did. And I think even if you hated the movie, which I don't think I've met anybody that did, and I don't know there's some out there that, probably, that didn't like it, but for the most part, I don't think I've ever heard anything bad about Deadpool. Uh, and the things that I have heard have just been nitpicky, really. And it's because, you know... The studio obviously didn't fund so much money into it because they didn't know how people would take a rated R movie if it would make any money at all. And then it wound up being one of the highest grossing films of all time. So it, it's, it's good stuff. And the sequel, I think, will still reflect that because I think Ryan Reynolds, this has kind of been his baby since the beginning of it. And he's been really excited. And I know after the nightmare that he did that was X-Men Origins Wolverine, he really wanted to go and correct uh, the character and do it justice because he enjoyed playing Wade Wilson and everything. So it's really exciting to see uh, this movie come out because you know again uh, it was one of those things where everybody it, it, it's, it was kind of like Gambit. Everybody talked about Gambit for the longest time and they're still like, well, they're going to make it. They're going to make it. And I honestly don't think they're going to make it. They're going to keep talking about Channing Tatum playing Gambit till eventually it just fades away into nothing and they just sweep it under the rug. But they're still talking about it. And I for the longest time thought Deadpool was going to be that. Until they started releasing stuff from it. And, you know, it came out and wound up being wonderful. Uh, wonder, you know, like I said, wonderfully written, one, uh, very funny. Um, it hit its beats and it had some really good commentary on uh, the superhero franchise as a whole. And I think that Deadpool 2 will continue that trend. But now they have more money to play with. So I'm sure it's going to not only still have the core of what the first one was as far as how, like, storytelling and heart but it's also going to have money to back it up so they'll be able to afford to do bigger and better things, and that's exciting. Also, I apologize in advance if you're listening to this and you hear the humming of a refrigerator or any odd sounds because I'm recording this not in my usual recording spot of my bedroom, but I'm out in my open living room that has a refrigerator in the kitchen, so it's going to buzz from time to time. I didn't feel like setting up everything because I didn't know how long this was going to be in. So we'll see. So if you hear weird popping noises, it's probably my, my knees and my ankles because I'm falling apart. And if you hear weird buzzing noises, that's just appliances of the house. So, Also, I'm being kind of quiet because I don't want to talk too loud because I don't know if my neighbors can hear me through the walls. And I don't want them to be like, all right, shut up about superheroes. We're trying to go to sleep. So anyway, again, enough of that house cleaning. So let's go back to what we were talking about, Deadpool 2. So the trailer comes out, and of course you have... The trailer isn't, you don't expect anything less for it to be a parody of trailers, really. It's making fun of itself. It pokes fun at Batman, or it pokes fun at, uh, not Batman, but uh, Superman, but uh, Justice League, how they digitally removed uh, Henry Cavell's mustache in the movie. And I thought that was a really funny gag. That's, it's the simple stuff like that that makes Deadpool a funny movie. And I think that's why the writing is so good, because they have subtle references that make it great. And that, that, and that trailer where he, <laughs> He's like, come on, man, we're just trying to make an armor robot. We're not trying to digitally remove a mustache, which, that's funny to me. That's cracked me up. I laughed out loud when I saw that. So, I expect that uh, Josh Brolin is going to be, you know, he's going to be kind of like the centric badass of the film, and 
set its tone, but then you're going to have Wade Wilson running around, kicking people's ass and cracking wise and all that fun stuff that Deadpool does. So that's exciting, and I'm ready for it when it comes out to this year. Uh, so that's about it, really, on Deadpool 2. You know, just me sitting here saying it's gonna, it looks good, and I'm excited for it. Um, so we'll see how it goes, um, and I'm sure I'll try to do a review for it when it comes out, too. Uh, the next thing I recently saw was they're working on a Chucky television series. Um, there's not much information out on it, but Brad Dourif has commented that he's, you know, they're doing a miniseries based on the Child's Play franchise, and uh, he's going to, you know, return to play the voice of Charles Lee Ray, the infamous murderer turned doll killer, or however you want to word that. Um, so that's cool. I mean, I've always enjoyed the Child's Play franchise. Um, Seed of Chucky kind of jumped the shark a little bit, but... I think that they brought it back with, um, not Cult of Chucky, that was the, m the newest one, but um, Curse of Chucky, that was it. It was really good. It brought it back to its kind of horror elements, and it still had the humor side to it. And it, uh, you know, it kind of breathed life back into the Child's Play franchise. It, it was what I like to refer to as, well, not just me, but the industry as a whole, as a soft reboot, where it continued the storyline, and it you know, reflected everything that happened in the past happened, but it's kind of skirting off and doing, again, another, you know, its own little thing. So if you started watching it, you wouldn't feel too left out because it kind of gives you the idea of what's happening, and there's flashback stuff in it. So I really enjoyed Curse of Chucky. I thought it was really well done, and after Seed of Chucky's utter disappointment, it was... um it was good to see it come back again, which is weird. It's, Chucky's always been an odd franchise. Like most franchises, they they come to an end, and then they reboot it. And then the reboot either fails or continues on. Uh, case in point, the Halloween franchise. It ended because it got really bad. They rebooted it with Rob Zombie's films, which were good. I really enjoyed Rob Zombie's two Halloween films. Like, they're awesome. Um, I, and I just love Rob Zombie as a filmmaker, so I really like that aesthetic that he goes for in his films and his storytelling elements and just kind of the the tones that he sets, but I really enjoyed his his films. But he had a very distinct arc that he wanted to tell and a story that he wanted to get done, and he finished that up in two films. So of course, with seeing dollar signs in their eyes, the studio has did a, another kind of soft reboot where they're going to make this next Halloween film with Jamie Lee Curtis returning, and that's going to be really exciting because it's going to be a direct sequel to the first Halloween movie, and it's going to pretend like the rest of them didn't exist. Because if you remember, a spoiler alert from like a movie that's like 15 years old, I don't even know anymore, but Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie Strode, gets killed in the end of Halloween. No, at the beginning of Halloween Resurrection. Like It was like the first scene of the movie, which was really disappointing because H2O ended with her beheading Michael Myers, and then it turns out, fake out, that wasn't really Michael Myers, that was a guy who couldn't speak, so Michael Myers is still out there, and then of course, resurrection happened, and it just, it didn't resurrect the Halloween franchise, it buried it, and put a coffin in the grave, because it was just not good, and it kind of ruined the, uh, no, well, okay, I say ruined, but it just kind of like made a screeching halt of the Halloween franchise, which is why they warranted a reboot. And now they're bringing it back home with Halloween. Uh, I don't. I can't remember if they've announced an official title for it yet. But they just call it Halloween's, like uh, Alien and Aliens. It's just Halloween's. Uh, but um, so yeah, they're doing that, and that's going to be really exciting. They released the first image of uh, Laurie Strode and Jamie Lee Curtis as the character uh, again, and 
So it's going to be really neat to see how they uh, do this film. Uh, of course, I'm sure it'll probably just be a situation where it's like after the events of the Halloween years passed and Lori was, you know, alone and scared and kind of grew out of it. And then all of a sudden Michael Myers returns home, you know, 30 plus years later, however long it, it, it takes place in the future. So um, that's going to be really cool. I'm excited to see that come out. Um, and I hope it's good. Uh, and I think it will be because John Carpenter kind of had a... Um, I think he's had kind of a, he's been a figurehead in the whole thing and had the last say in everything. So with him heading it up, I think it's going to be a great film. So that's really exciting. But to bring it back to what I originally started was with the child or the Chucky series, I um I'm excited to see what they're going to do here. Um, it's work. I think the reason why they're going ahead with it is because it worked with Evil Dead with Ash vs Evil Dead. They're about to start their third season here in a couple of weeks. So I think because of that success horror movies are now looking at franchise you know kind of like with deadpool coming full circle it's uh, opened a new world for what you can do with a franchise and seeing that they can that a fran that a tv series based on a movie franchise works well it works well enough because you know ash for deal is great and it's awesome and it's and it's good in its own right um it's kind of the same situation where you can watch it without having to be a fan of the films, which being a fan of the films is kind of, to me, a need because the Evil Dead trilogy is one of my favorite trilogies of all time. And it's such an interesting trilogy. It goes from horror to horror comedy to straight comedy. So Sam Raimi did a really just neat thing. He even broke ground with the Evil Dead series in a way. Um, of course, he's not the first horror person to take a franchise and make it comedic. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street did the same thing. Of course, the la they weren't all... like There was never one that was a straight comedy like Army of Darkness was, but it kind of set that trend where it had jokes and gags uh, kind of in in mixed into the horror elements of it. And then Shaun of the Dead kind of parodied that formula, and it was a comedy that had horror elements in it. So that was a really neat, you know... Horror just filmed... Movies are just good, guys. They're just good. Sitting here thinking about all the good that's happened in cinema, it's just... Just a neat thing. So I'm excited to see where they're going to go with it. And again, like, much like Bruce Campbell returning to play Ash Williams, it's neat to see Brad Dourif voice Chucky again. Of course, he loves playing the character, and that's kind of his bread and butter um, role. So it's no surprise that he jumped at the opportunity of the Chucky series because it gives characters a chance to flesh out um, their characters. Like Ash, you get so much more depth in a series than you do in a um, film, because you don't have just 90 minutes to play with, you have, you know, six, you know, you have six hours of, you know, pos or depending on how long the series could be, I think, uh, the Child's Play series is only going to be six episodes long, so you have, um, this much time to expand upon storyline and, and give in-depth discussions to things, so that's really exciting. Um, again, I, I didn't get much information from that, that's just basically that it's going to happen and he's returning, so... We'll see if it's going to... I hope that it will continue on the story that they, he set forth with um, Curse and Cult of Chucky, which Cult of Chucky was pretty good. It wasn't great. Like, it didn't... It didn't mess... It didn't screw up what he did with Cult of... Or with uh, Curse of Chucky. It didn't screw it up as far as changing it, but it, it added lore and more mythos to the Child's Play franchise, with Charles Lee Ray being able to put his soul into multiple dolls, which is interesting, like, which is crazy to think, like... And then, of course, he brought back um, Andy from the original film, which I felt like his role was a little muddled. It could have been a little better fleshed out. It could have had more screen time and had more importance on his character. But uh, it was still neat to have him come back to the series. And then he had, like, the original Chucky head 
in a vice in his house and he thought well this is chucky i'm gonna torture him and you know treat him like shit for the rest of his days and make him rue the day that he returned to earth to kill people but then he little did he know that charles lee ray is out there running amok among this hospital putting his soul into multiple dolls and he can run around and do all this stuff so that was kind of a neat um idea that he could split his soul up into multiple things with this voodoo curse that was in the first child's play film so We'll see what happens. Maybe they'll continue that that trend, that storyline uh, from that movie, or they may just kind of do their own thing and, like, kind of with Ash vs. Evil Dead, kind of rewrite history a little bit and keep the continuity the same, but change it to where it fits where you're wanting to go. So I, you know, we'll see how it goes when it comes out. Which, you know, again, really excited um, for that uh, to start being made. Um, okay, so now I wanted to touch base with Solo. A Star Wars story. I don't know how I feel. I am at a crossroads here. Star Wars has unfortunately made me very cautious of a person with The Last Jedi. And that's because I had such an expectation for what The Last Jedi was going to be. And when it wasn't that, I left the theater feeling disappointed. And of course, I've since changed my opinions on a lot of things. Watched it and... And I realize I don't have the full story, meaning that Episode Nine isn't out. So a lot of things that I might have had problems with could be changed or altered or explained better. You know, whatever reason, we'll, we'll get the full story. But I, uh, I kind of left uh, the last shot. I, dis- you know, overall disappointed, and uh, that upset me because I didn't expect Star Wars to do that to me. And uh, reading theories or uh, interviews, excuse me, interviews with Ryan Johnson, that's kind of what he wanted people to feel. He wanted people to feel confused and lost and. Uh, wondering what their place is in this franchise and so he he really hit the mark with that but i don't know how i feel that that he did because i think with force awakens it was such a feel-good star wars film it it was kind of like a easy to swallow easy to digest star wars it was it made you feel comfortable it made it played it safe it didn't jump the gun too much it changed it added stuff to the to the uh, universe of star wars but it didn't drastically alter the formula that was set forth from the from the original trilogy and i think with the last jedi ryan johnson said we're going to break the cookie cutter cookie cutter mold here on what a star wars film is and we're going to completely change the trajectory of these films and uh, he did he he uh light speeded right through a star destroyer that's what he did to the star wars franchise which by the way was a really awesome shot i thought that was so cool um but it ha- it's still there are still a small elements from the film upon my after seeing it three times and I'm like hmm, I don't know I still don't I'm not comfortable with it and I'm thinking that I've had a discussion with one of my friends about it after I saw the film and we've come to the conclusion that after it's all said and done and the trilogy is finished out and the whole, and the story is told we'll look back on it and be like yeah it was good it wasn't bad it you know it it, it well it, it's a Star Wars film so it's like they say any pizza is good pizza even bad pizza so um. It, it won't be a bad Star Wars film, but it'll just be a Star Wars film. And we'll appreciate it for what it is, but, uh, so we'll see. Um, but Solo coming out, uh, ever since they announced it, I've always been kind of on the edge of, I don't think they should make it. Just because, you know, that role is so synonymous with Harrison Ford playing it, that seeing someone else step in and playing the same character, but younger, just, it just feels weird. And it's different when it comes to characters that are already aged and old in movies but when you've seen like like Harrison Ford was in his 30s in the first Star Wars film so he was already really young and in Solo 
he's kind of I he's probably going to be about the same um, age. Probably if I'm I'm guessing maybe ten years before the events of A New Hope, maybe maybe five at the at the least. But it's it's you know it's just right before the event, so. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, I'm hoping this is a Rogue One situation where I'm not excited. I don't really expect it to be anything good and then wind up loving it because I loved Rogue One. I uh, I did. Like, when I first saw it, I was, you know, I went into it. I went into it thinking it was going to be bad and then wound up being um, drastically um, surprised by how much I liked it. Um, and this, I've said this to many people I've talked to about it, this is a criticism as well as a compliment, and it's that it felt like a very well-produced, well-made fan film. Because at its core, that's what it is. It's a fan film, it's a fan service film to uh, the franchise as a whole, that it's telling a story that we know the outcome of, and we know the story, and we know what happens, but it's adding to it, and it's showing us what happened. So we know how these people died, and we know who these characters were now, and when we watch the original trilogy and they reference these people, we know what happened. So it was a very well-made fan film, and I loved that. Again, it played very heavily on the nostalgia factor and, and, and played it safe with a lot of things, but it uh, did a lot of uh, new territory-type storytelling things and universe-building things that um, I think Star Wars needs, and it planted seeds that I feel are going to um, grow in the future of Star Wars, one of which being the uh, hyperspace tracking which if you didn't catch that in Rogue One when they're looking for the files on the Death Star, she's filing through them, and she just casually says hyperspeed tracking and just goes past it like, whatever, I don't need that right now. And then, of course, in The Last Jedi, they finally perfected that technology. So that is going to be really cool to see. Um, stuff like that, little seeds that are planted that you have to pay attention to catch. And you won't maybe not even catch them until you know, weeks later after, or, you know, even months later after watching it, somebody says, hey, you know, this is this, and the, the connection is here. So um, I'm hoping Solo has that uh, with me, is that it's a Rogue One situation where I don't expect much. I go into it, and then I'm blown away by how good it is. It's it's going to solely be based on the lead actor, um, Aaron, what is his name? can't remember his name for the life of me because i mean he's he was honestly kind of a nobody before this movie and i'm betting if he's really good at this film his career will take off um exponentially so um i'm excited i know that they had to hire an acting coach for him um but i don't think that really speaks on him as an actor i think it's just because star wars is such a prized possession of disney they want to make sure that everything is perfect so if he needed an acting coach, they got one. So I'm sure there's probably some things that he, uh, just as an actor, because as actors, you grow. Um, me, coming from an acting background, you know, you, you're you never perfect. You're never going to do everything exactly right. And there are times when you need direction. And actors, even aged actors, will tell you, you need direction. That's why a director's there, to give you that motivation to help you see where your character needs to go. And if, if you, there's a problem that you aren't getting, you know, you need help. You learn from it. So... He's and he's a fairly young actor too, so it's of course it's uh, something that I'm not surprised to read that he needed an acting coach for some things, and with a role this big and important, it needs to be perfect. So um, we'll see. Uh, you know, uh, Ron Howard is a great director. He's a great uh, storyteller. So um, with him stepping in and taking over, um, I think it'll be good. Uh, so um, I'm, ex I, you know, I'm like I said, I'm excited, but I'm not. I'm ca I'm ex I'm cautiously excited. I don't want to get overly excited like I was with The Last Jedi. So, And I'm not going to avoid um, images, and I'm not going to avoid trailers. I did that with The Last Jedi, and honestly, I think that hurt me because I went into it blind. 
and because uh, I was I wanted to try something different with this with that film. Whereas with the Fourth Awakens, I watched every trailer, I watched every um, teaser, I saw all the promo images, every every shot that was released in magazines, I saw them. So I knew a lot of the shots and some of the things that were seen. So with the Last Jedi, I decided I'm not going to see anything. I'm just going to avoid it altogether and see where that takes me. And then I wound up, uh, you know, being disappointed with a lot of things. So I, I, I don't know how I would have been different. I don't know if it would have changed anything differently if I had watched all the trailers and seen all the images as they released. But um, I'm going to do that with uh, Solo. I'm going to watch all the trailers. I'm going to see everything that they release. And uh, I will say this, though. I'm excited to see the Model T Freighter, the Millennium Falcon, in its prime when it's brand spanking new. Because in the trailer, you see those, you know, very grungy hallways, but they're pristine and clean and the walls are white and everything is perfect. And uh, it doesn't have its, um, it doesn't have its iconic little notch in the front, that little notch in the front of the Millennium Falcon, which I'm sure we'll see them add in this film. Um, he'll do the, I'm sure that We'll see Han Solo win the Millennium Falcon from Lando Calrissian and him make the modifications that become, you know, iconic with what we see in A New Hope. So uh, I'm excited. So we'll see how it goes whenever um, Solo comes out. And again, I'll probably try to review that. And I apologize for never doing my review of The Last Jedi. I, I pushed it off and pushed it off. And then as it got older and older, I just said at this point, there's no point because it would just be white noise among people because that's all people are talking about but with solo with this being such a big unique story uh and it's so impactful that it's a, a character that everybody loves or most people love um i'll probably want to sit down and share my thoughts on um how it went so we'll see how that goes come may um and that's it's neat that it's, i guess it's neat that it's coming out of may i think uh, they kind of hit their uh, their niche with uh putting their Star Wars films out in December because it's kind of a good time to get family and a lot of people because people have vacation, people have family in, people want to go see movies. So I think being in around Christmas is a good idea for these Star Wars films. But uh, they're doing Solo. They're doing Solo in May. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm excited to uh, to see it. And But like I said, cautious but excited. Um, okay, so uh, one of the last things I want to discuss before I, I check you out of here again Um this is a very fast-paced, um, quick little episode I wanted to release to kind of get another one out there. So I haven't, I don't have my um, jigsaw uh, episode pinned to my Twitter for ever in a day. So the last thing I want to discuss before I check out tonight and get some much-needed rest is the Venom trailer. Uh, I didn't think this movie was real, if I'm being completely honest, when they talked about it. And they said that Tom Hardy was playing Eddie Brock Jr. Or Eddie Brock Jr. Uh, yeah, I said Brock Jr. Yeah. Um, when they said that he was playing Eddie Brock, that I wasn't, um, you know, I thought it was fake. I didn't think that it was going to be a real movie. I was like, Tom Hardy, okay, whatever. And then Sony making it, and it's going to be disconnected from the MCU, whatever. But I think that rumor is, uh, rumors are starting to swirl that uh, Peter Parker, but not Spider-Man, but Peter Parker will make an appearance in this film. That the Tom Holland Spider-Man will make an appearance in this film. So... We'll see how that goes. Um, I know Sony still still is trying to make their own um, cinematic universe with superheroes, and Spider-Man is like their one one of their big cash cows right now, and that's kind of why they've held on to Spider-Man so dearly and coveted that um, coveted that. Um, what am I trying to say here? Um, not label, but 
well, anyway, you know what I'm saying? They've, they've, been, they've been holding on to that for so long that they didn't want to give it up. That license, there we go, license. I knew my brain wouldn't catch up to me. They held on to that license so long, and they and it was like their baby. They didn't want to sell it, so they've been rebooting it and rebooting it and sharing stuff. And then finally, whenever they made that deal, they were like, well, crap, okay, what are we going to do? So then they said, well, I guess they thought, what if we just built a universe around Spider-Man, and then whenever this deal is up with Marvel, we can then introduce Spider-Man. But I, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, again, we until the movie comes out, we won't know that Tom Holland is in it. Um, but the rumor is that he is. So we'll see. But um, the teaser trailer that they released didn't really show much. Uh, it was a lot of uh, um, talking, a lot of just shots, uh, character building. And I honestly think they released the trailer just to say, hey, this is a real film that we're making. It's coming out. There will be more to come soon. Uh, we got a really cool shot of the symbiote in it. Uh, it's very quick. Um, it's just it like in a what looks like a, a medical tube, and it's kind of moving. So it's got that it's got that symbiote look to it. That kind of black goop that's uh, moving. Um, and then it show then it ended with the um, image of uh, Venom's eyes, and then the name Venom, which I think the way the posters are setting up it makes venom kind of look like his teeth which i think is kind of a clever little like trick that they're doing with the the posters and everything but um we'll see how it goes i think um i love tom hardy i you know i've, I've i love mad max that's one of my favorite films i really really liked him in uh uh yeah mad max and i liked him in uh, what was the last movie that he did that was really good um oh uh the dark knight rises he did a wonderful job as bane i loved him in that so um, I'm excited. I think Tom Hardy would be. I think he'll be able to play Eddie Brock good or good, play him well. Um, so I don't know. He's kind of older, so I don't know if they're going to try to pretend that Tom Hardy is younger because the voiceover in the trailer sounded really young. I don't know if that's Tom Hardy using an accent or if it's just another character that's dubbing the trailer yet to be seen because he didn't actually speak in the trailer. It's just a lot of shots of him walking and. Uh, him in a hospital bed and stuff like that. Um, but it's looking like it's going to be kind of a, a dark film. And I think that'll be good. I think it'll play well with that, with it being a Venom movie. So I'm still not sure. I'm Again, with kind of like with Solo, I'm on the fence about it because I don't know how I feel about them doing this character building of villains before the superhero is introduced because you don't have villains without a hero. Um it's kind of like in the Avengers, uh, you know, you have heroes that rise up and then you have challenges to meet them. And that's kind of what, a, from a storytelling storytelling standpoint, that's what you need. You don't have, most of the time you don't have conflict rise up and then forcefully introduce the hero, which that does happen. But when it comes to something like a superhero, you have a superhero that rises up to, that gets the power and then a villain comes to meet them i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm speaking out of turn as far as a storytelling standpoint but i just think it's odd that they're building a villain and then introducing a, a superhero later on down the road so we'll see how that goes um but i'm still like i said i'm teetering whenever we'll see whenever we get more information more of a full-length trailer on it um we'll see i'm you know like i said i'm uh, the trailer looked good uh, it's exciting to see that it's actually happening, and uh, again, when they release a full trailer that actually has Venom in it, which that, I think that to me was a big conflict, a big uh, uh, criticism of that trailer is that you don't actually see even like a quick shot. There's not even any hint or indication of Venom other than like the little title card at the end of the trailer and that little flash of the symbiote that this is a symbiotic movie um, or that this is a Venom movie. So 
we'll see. Um, I'm sure they're holding that off until, you know, later on. They don't want to give, you know, you don't want to present all your goods at first. So, um, but I don't think that it will work in their benefit if they do the Justice League thing and kind of pretend that Superman isn't in it when he is. Uh, because I think with Justice League, it would have helped their marketing um, to have Superman in it from the beginning. Just lay it out there that he's in it. Don't explain. You don't have to explain how he comes back. You don't explain how he comes back from the dead. But let people know that he's in the film. Um, and I think that hurt them a little bit because people didn't think that he was coming back. Of course, it, he did, and it, it wasn't a too big of a surprise that he did. But I think as far as leading up to the film, it would have helped them out if they would have been straightforward with fans instead of trying to keep it a secret that it's like the worst kept secret that everybody already knew. Um, so with Venom, I think that they don't need to hold off showing him. I think they need to give us a good shot of him. A good, even if it's just an image or just a quick flash of him in a trailer, they need to give us something because holding it off, I think, will hinder or hurt the film a lot if they if we don't know what we're seeing. Because this is a big character for a lot of people. And he's very important. So we'll see. But also with Venom, this kind of goes back to the introducing a villain before a character. Venom's character was born from Spider-Man. Um, and the way this Ven this movie is looking, it's kind of looking like Venom just kind of happens um, without any context. Because, you know, in the comics and in the shows and stuff, the way that this Venom came to be was the symbiote latched itself onto Peter Parker whenever it crashed land on Earth from space. When J. Jonah Jameson's son came back to Earth, he brought the symbiote with him and then it, it latched onto Peter Parker and he fed on his hate and... Gave him these abilities. It gave him the black suit Spider-Man, which is always one of my favorite images of Spider-Man as a black suit Spider-Man. And then when he realized that it was changing his mood because it was making him angry and stuff, that's when he got rid of it. And then it latched onto Eddie Brock, who hated Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And that hate fueled it, and it became the monster that it was. And that's why it was able to shoot web, and that's why it was a, it had like the big giant white spider on it, because it kind of stole elements from Spider-Man that it liked. And um, I think that... Not having Spider-Man be the introduction of Venom will be different, but changing mythos in stories and origins is not uncommon, so we'll see. If they do it well, I'll be on board, but if they just play it off just bad, um, then I think that'll just hurt Sony even more with Spider-Man than, than they already are hurting at this point, so we'll see how it goes. But, uh, so that's all, that's it. That's it for Pliskin Podcast this week. Um, we talked about two things that I'm excited about, Deadpool 2 and the Chucky series that's in the works, and then we ended with two things that I'm very cautious about, and that I'm patiently awaiting more with Solo, A Star Wars Story, and the Venom movie. So, uh, that's it for this week on Pliskin Podcast, kids. Remember to live your life, enjoy every day as it comes, and don't take anything for granted. And also, don't sweat the small stuff. Today I will leave you with a simple quote that I like. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time from one of my favorite movies of all time, and that is, The Dude Abides. Thanks for listening.